Weighing Machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market clamor to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. The Weighing Machine is inspired by the classic investing saying attributed to Benjamin Graham. The stock market is a voting machine in the short term and a weighing machine over the long run. In other words, emotion and expectations drive short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations determine returns over time. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. Enjoy, and as always, let us know what you think. On the podcast today, how to build better portfolios. We'll discuss trends in portfolio construction among financial advisors, the outlook for the classic 60-40 portfolio, and finding asset classes that work with inflation. That's with our guest, Vice President and Lead Portfolio Strategist at Fidelity Investments, Paul Ma. Welcome to The Wang Machine. I'm Rusty Vanneman. I am Robin Murray. And Rusty, let's start with a look at the markets. What are we watching for at the moment? Well, first of all, Rob and I are both sporting our voted stickers today. It is election day. So I guess we're all watching for the widely anticipated post-election rally. But more importantly, it's really the big stuff, as it has been in recent months, is really key economic data. We need to see inflation data. Has it peaked? Is it rolling over? We need to see data on the labor market, whether it's going to have inflationary pressures or clues to recession risk. Really a lot of stuff to consider about the markets and the economy. In turn, we think it's as crucial as ever to weigh the risk and balance portfolios with diversification. And today's podcast should be really useful and learning about the latest trends in diversification and portfolio construction and a whole lot more. All right. Well, let's bring in our guest. Paul Ma is Vice President, Lead Portfolio Strategist at Fidelity Institutional Asset Management. Paul, welcome to The Weighing Machine. Looking forward to the conversation. Well, Paul, to get us started, we have our fun first question, and it is our all-important question to set the scene, and that is, what is your walk-up song? Well, uh, definitely uh, Don't Go Chasing Waterfall by TLC. People uh, who heard me speak know that I've been using that song to warn people about the late cycle for the last year or so, about the need to not chase waterfall names like Ark, things like that, and stick to the rivers and lakes they're used to, like Campbell's Soup and Coca-Cola. History has shown that low vol and quality to names like that work better in late cycle and recession. Wow, that's great. Now that song is going to be stuck in my head. It always gets stuck once I hear it. (laughs) So thanks, Paul. It's a great walk-up song. (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, Paul, you joined Fidelity in 2015. And before that, you were at several large firms, including Sun America, McLean, BlackRock, and Putnam Investments. And you also co-founded Life Harbor. But before all of that, you started out as a chemistry grad at Harvard. Tell us more about your background and how you got to your position today. Yeah, certainly. I'm a portfolio nerd, basically, through and through in my career. Right now, I'm managing the portfolio construction team at Fidelity Institutional, where we help advisors build better portfolio. I came to Fidelity, actually, because um, my wife wants to have kids and asked, asked me to find a job in Boston area close to her parents. So before Fidelity, as, I, as you mentioned, I was a portfolio manager managing mutual funds for 10 plus years. But, uh, but I'm glad I moved to Boston. I have two daughters now, two and four years old. Nice. 
Well, as you said, you do a lot of work on building better portfolios and you you speak about that a lot. You do a lot of public speaking and our guest speakers at Fidelity's events on that topic. So can you give it to us in a nutshell? How do you help advisors build better portfolios? Yes, we try to help advisor be more forward-looking because one of the biggest mistakes advisors make is by whatever is working, looking backward. And we try to be open architecture and find the best breed names from different fund families to help advisor build a better portfolio. Excellent. I think that is the key is really like forward looking because you're right. So many portfolios are built just looking backwards. But before we get to some of that stuff, let's just talk markets. And of course, it's been a really challenging year for the stock and bond markets for balanced portfolios in general. In this environment, what are the key messages that you're stressing to financial advisors and investors? Three things. Rebalance, rebalance, and rebalance. (laughs) Rebalance is about selling your winners and buying your losers to get back to that strategic allocation you have. Right In January, when everybody was so bullish, you got to rebalance into that bullishness to curb your enthusiasm. Uh, Right now, when everybody's so bearish, you got to rebalance into that as well because things are not that bad. It's your best weapon in dealing with a volatile environment like right now, where investors overreact on the upside and the downside. Yeah, classic advice. Hey, just a quick question on rebalancing. Is there any sort of general rule of thumb on how to rebalance? Is it based off market movement, the calendar, or what do you generally recommend for rebalancing? So all of the above, based on our research, outperform the uh, buy and hold strategy. For the last 20 years, we found that monthly, quarterly, annually, or with a 4 or 5% threshold, outperformed that buy and hold strategy. So whatever rebalance strategy you have is better than not rebalance, number one. Number two is that annual rebalance actually turned out to be the best rebalancing frequency because if you think about it, a lot of momentum strategy use uh, like four-month momentum, six-month momentum because momentum works over months, but reversal happens over years. Therefore, rebalancing annually means you could be contrarian, looking for reversal. Annually is one of the best rebalancing frequency. And in a very volatile environment with a 4 or 5% threshold, meaning 60-40 stock bond portfolio becomes 65-35 or 50-50, you rebalance back to 60-40. That is what we recommend as well. Those two are great rebalancing strategies. You're absolutely right. You know, the key to rebalancing is just have a plan, you know, plan your work, work your plan. You know, there are various studies that show that some rebalancing might be the best, but it, no, it depends on the time frame. The key is to rebalance, as you said. So great. Well, I want to ask you about constructing successful investment portfolios. And up to this year, the classic 60-40 portfolios, you know, 60% stocks, 40% bonds was performing well for investors. This year, not so much. Is a 60-40 dead or is it long live the 60-40? So Rusty, I hear people say that 60-40 is dead almost every year for the last decade, right? And they were wrong, 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 wrong. In fact, 60-40 was pretty awesome for two decades with a sharp ratio much higher than 100% equity sharp ratio. So better, better risk reward, basically. So giving your client a smoother ride so that they're less likely to flee to cash. And you will continue to be great if inflation is not here to mess it up. Well, that leads me to my next question, because that is, how does inflation play a role in this performance that we're talking about? 
Well, the great performance for 6040 for the last two decades happened in a low inflation environment with core CPI around 2%. In that environment, stock and bond had a negative correlation, which means that when stock zigged, a bond zagged. For instance, in March 2020, when stock was down 35% from top to bottom, bond was actually positive, a couple percent. So that 6040 had a smoother ride. It's called diversification, which is the only free lunch in investing. However, in the three decades before that, from 1967 to about 2000, we had higher inflation. And in that environment, stock and bond had a positive correlation, which means that there was a period of time when stock and bond went down together. Horror! Well, it feels like a year today, huh? Because core CPI has ticked up to 6.6% right now. And in this environment, we need to look beyond stock and bond. Right. Well, let's talk about how portfolio construction is shifting. What are the latest trends and what are advisors using to go beyond stocks and bonds? So we help thousands of advisors every year build better portfolios. We are seeing some good trends. Like, for example, 22% of incoming portfolios of these thousands of portfolio, right, had explicit commodity exposures. And 28% of outgoing portfolio that we help them construct had explicit commodity exposure with an average weight of 4.4%. In fact, 11% of portfolios that came in with no exposure to commodity get an average of 3% commodities going out that we are suggesting going out. And you really help our advisors this past year because commodity is a definition of inflation. It's highly correlated with inflation and it's actually less correlated with stocks and bonds in this high inflation environment. And also, look what else, another category you find a lot of advisors using a lot more. We found that 27% of the income on the portfolios had liquid alts and 44% of the outgoing portfolio had liquid alts with an average weight of about 5%. And some category of liquid alts really help advisors diversify their portfolio. I want to stay on commodities for a second. Obviously, it's an asset class that works in an inflationary environment and has, needless to say, performed well in recent time periods. But I mean, I was just reading a stat the other day. If you look at like ETF flows, which again this year have been gangbuster positive, despite the fact a lot of investors have been leaving the market. That said, commodity ETFs have still seen outflows. What's it going to take for commodities to kind of generate that interest? I mean, I think people are still looking back at like 10-year performance. How do you get people to consider adding some real asset or commodity exposure? That's a great question, right? Because again, we talk about how advisors and investors, they like to look backward. They had terrible experience with commodities and look at all for the last two decades. A terrible performance, right? So it's really hard to move them to get into an asset class that they have personal bad experience with. However, the most famous disclaimer in finance is that past performance is no predictor of future performance. So therefore, being contrarian as we are, we are moving into a different era of higher inflation, perhaps. In that environment, we haven't considered whatever whatever worked the last two decades, stocks and bonds, we're going to look for something else that didn't work. So new era, new asset classes like commodities and liquid alts. When it comes to liquid alts and real assets such as commodities, and you've just talked about some of the trends among advisors, does Fidelity sort of have like recommendations on kind of generically how to think about 
how to size those positions and portfolios. Now, obviously, it depends on each individual investor, but do you have rules of thumb regarding liquid alts and real assets? Yes. So it's the interesting thing is that everybody's trying to use uh, optimize or figure out what's the right allocation to all sort of commodities based on, I don't know, capital market assumptions that is very flawed and optimizer doesn't really quite, you know, work. So what we found is that the best benchmark of what the right weight would be is what the advisor across the street, the average advisor is doing with liquid alts and commodity because your job is to outperform them, right? So you can steal their clients and increase your business. That's all you care about, right? So therefore, the numbers of 4.4% average weight of commodity for people using commodity across the street is very important. And same thing with liquid alts. Average advice across the street has 5% weight. So therefore, if you believe commodity and liquid should, should do well, you can overweight versus them, and therefore you outperform them if you believe that, or underweight if you don't believe that, for example. That's your benchmark. Average advisor across the street. I like it. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, let's switch gears to some of the questions that we like to ask all of our guests on the show. And the first is professionally, you are surrounded by incredible resources, of course, at Fidelity. How does that impact how you personally invest? Yeah. So I, there's some really smart portfolio managers at Fidelity, people doing great research. And one thing that's having comments, they all have different opinions about the stock market, bond market, but there's one thing in common is that they're very long-term focused, and they often talk about the short-term investors' mistakes they make, overreacting, they can take advantage of. So that's sort of the common theme, right? And I, I learned that professionally, you know, long-term investors like Warren Buffett has about 80 billion reasons why they're better than short-term investors. So setting a strategic allocation and rebalance to it, it's just a better way to invest. That's how I invest. Yeah, it's great. All right. Well, another question we like to ask, and I think this is really a good question to ask you because you're a road warrior, is, you know, we all have an obligation to perform at a high level, you know, professionally and personally. So how do you maintain your health, both physical and mental, to ensure that you're performing at a high level? That's a great question. I have two daughters I mentioned earlier, two and four years old, and they give me so much joy every day that they help give me a proper perspective on work and life balance. So I, of course, have no more time for any other hobbies. So I can give you the answer about hobby in general. I have no hobby right right now, but I'm just really loving my life with them right now. So I'm, I wake up every day smiling. Awesome. Well, so of course, you've been surrounded by so many successful people, just given your resume, your background, your history. So you've been around so many successful people. Who are some of these people that you're professionally thankful for, including mentors? And what lessons have you learned from them? I remember my first boss, Steve Case, when I worked for him at Putnam Investments, my first job out of business school. And I still remember he's a man of uh, high integrity and care a lot about his team members like myself a lot. Just ever since then, I mean, it's opened my eyes. He can be in business, in, in finance, have a lot of integrity and care a lot. I try to model myself after him. I have a team now and I just care about my team a lot when I, I want to make sure they are happy and they're, they like each other. I spend a lot of time on that, even though a lot of time I get asked to talk about the market, the portfolio, things like that. But I try to do a lot of that and to hopefully just do the right thing really for our clients. So that's Steve Case. I really remember my very first job with him. So Excellent. 
All right, one more. And that is, do you have any recommendations for our listeners on what they should be reading or listening to? Books, newsletters, Twitter feeds, podcasts? Since the Fed is such central in our lives, right? You want to read what the Fed Chairman Powell is reading right now. And I believe he's reading a lot of Volcker books about how Volcker fought inflation. In fact, a lot of speeches, I'm like, oh, I read his book, Volcker's book. I'm like, wow, Powell's quoting Volcker right now again, right? And that's when I realized that the market should stop trying to guess when he's going to pause, right? He's going to be Volcker, not you know Arthur Burns or those uh, yo-yo Fed chairman go up and down, this and that. He's going to be Volcker. I read his book. I know he's speaking Volcker. And you should read about Volcker as well. Nice. All right. Well, that I think is going to do it. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Paul. It's been a great conversation. And tell us how can listeners stay in touch and learn more about what you're doing at Fidelity? Absolutely. You can come to one of our conferences, Fidelity Inside Track Conference, RI Conference, or just follow our quarterly market updates. You can Google it, Fidelity Quarterly Market Update. That has really good asset allocation information. So, so uh, stay in touch, please. Paul, those are both great resources, but there's one more that you have to mention because it really goes back to, I think, kind of the key quote comment that you made and in terms of sort of that frame of reference for financial advisors when it comes to portfolio construction. And it's really on that comment about liquid alts and real assets, but it's really about all asset classes. And that is, of course, the advisor survey that Fidelity Investments does regarding how all the advisors are allocating. Where can we find a copy of that survey? I believe you can Google it, right? And you can find it, definitely. Email one of your Fidelity contact. They'll get it to you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we do a lot of survey like that. That's a good survey. Awesome. Well, Paul, I know you're always on the road. Thank you for taking some time to be on The Wang Machine. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again later. It's been a pleasure, Rusty. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week. Rusty, take us out with your final words. Invest well and be well. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to The Weighing Machine. And thank you for your time and trust in Orion Advisor Solutions. The Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Strategist at Orion Advisor Solutions, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have feedback or questions about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty at orion.com. All opinions expressed by Rusty Vanneman and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and don't reflect the opinion of or endorsement by Orion, its affiliate subsidiaries, and its employees. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for legal, tax, and investment decisions. The opinions are based upon information that participants consider reliable.